Hey, Kyle, what are you doing during the binge? Oh, you know, just watching a movie, drinking a beer. What are you doing, Sophia? Just uh, watching a movie, drinking a beer. What's up? 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 What is up? Well, yeah, just drinking a beer, watching a movie. True. True. Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2020's The Binge. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. And I have to tell you, just looking at the waveform from that intro, you can tell exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So I watched the trailer for this before watching it again, just to see, like, what someone who's completely fresh to this would see. Mm-hmm. And I noticed something very interesting. It says, from the producers of Big Time Adolescence. Longtime listeners will know how I feel about petty high school bullshit. That said, this movie fucking rocks. <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah. Dudes rock this entire movie. <laughs> That's the great thing about Sophia's tweet thread if you didn't check it out. Because it starts off like, this is dumb, this is bullshit, this is stupid high school nothing. I hate you. But <laughs> it's, actually, this movie's alright. <laughs> there, there, there is a transformation. And look, we're going to talk about it a little more thoroughly. But fuck high school, because everything these dudes do and say is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Anything we need to say before jumping in, besides what we've already said? No, I, I'm good. Cool. So we have a great little disclaimer right at the front. Yeah, okay. So in my tweet thread, I introduced the movie as American Pie, The Purge. And I noted a little later in that that's not entirely fair because there's a little bit of idiocracy and also the hangover in this too. Like if yeah. you mash those four movies together, it would be this movie, 100%. And that's fine. That is a hell of a premise. Especially if you're not looking for anything of any real substance. You're just getting laughs out of people. Mm-hmm. Rock on. So starts with a disclaimer that says, don't do this at home. Very important. And that the narrator is not Morgan Freeman. It is very important to stress that this is not Morgan Freeman. It's Morgan Freeman. Well, here's the thing. If you ask someone to do a narration and they say no, but then you hire someone to do an impression of them, that's like against some regulation. Oh, so they have to legally say this is not Morgan Freeman yes. because it sounds exactly fucking like Morgan Freeman. Well, it's, someone, it's clearly someone doing an impression. Morgan Freeman's not attaching his name to this bullshit. <laughs> Honestly, if I were him, I would. Yeah. He played God. Yeah. But point being, it's not, wink, wink, Morgan Freeman. There's also some flashbacks to some good old drug PSAs or anti-drug PSAs, I mean. <sighs> Holy shit. 
they they actually ended up being drug PSAs. Yes, they did. <laughs> and then we get the narration about the premise. And it's very funny because they say there's all these problems in the world. And so people started self-medicating. It is beat for beat the purge, but change violence for drugs. Yes. But they said instead of fixing any of the actual problems that cause people to self-medicate, we're just going to outlaw the drugs and alcohol. Which, couple of things. <laughs> Extremely realistic. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's the sad thing. We are about 15 years from this future. And I'll get into it in the analysis. In fact, let me make that note now. But yeah, prohibition is a stupid way to get around these things. I don't think this movie is trying to say that drugs and alcohol are bad. I really don't. But like in the framing of it, it's necessary because they're like, oh, yeah, once it was outlawed, except for 12 hours every year, everything got like way better. It's like, oh. yeah, well, at that point, you get the Harry Potter Dobby problem where like, oh, no, it's OK. This slave race doesn't actually like being slaves. And you're like, yeah, but you wrote it that way. Right. Again, I don't think they're actually making the claim that, like, drugs are a problem, but they have to set this up to make the rest of the movie go with this premise. And it's like, all right. Yeah. So we live in a world here where intoxicants of all kinds are illegal except for one day of the year. One night of the year, in fact. And all other laws, by the way, are still in place. But there is one night of the year where the government distributes Olympic quantities of every single narcotic, intoxicant, you name it. If it can make you feel a woobly in the head, you can do it. I do love the name of this movie because it's very clearly based on The Purge. Mm -hmm. And so the name Binge both refers to what is actually happening, but when taken with Purge is like a little bit of a dark joke. <laughs> so the joke is actually a little fuller than you than you might have noticed because it's a Hulu movie. And so... Oh yeah, we forgot to mention that. You get the kind of poster thing, like a banner, when you search for it on Hulu. This one... Okay, so if you've never seen The Purge, it's actually a really clever commentary and is deeply socialist. It's amazing, actually. All of them are just some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, But, but the idea mm -hmm. is that the, the Purge is meant to be like a patriotic duty. And so when you look at the poster for the binge, it's like everybody's kind of doing that, that communist thing where they look up, up and to the right and with the American flag behind them, American flag in the background, but the stars are replaced by weed leaves. So it, it definitely plays back to that. It is my patriotic duty to binge. I guess the whole premise, though, is kind of like, you know, how in old times, like the 60s, I guess they'd like. You're smoking cigarettes? Well, smoke this whole carton. You'll never want to smoke again. Type of... So, yeah, the narration does point out that people who binge once are, like, 30% of them go on to binge twice, and that number plummets to 6% binging three times. And the estimation is that it will get rid of all substance abuse by, like, 2080-something. Which, by the way, no, it won't. No, it won't. People have been getting high and getting drunk, as long as people have been anatomically distinct from other members of genus Homo. Yeah, I mean, we we see you later. There are some people who just drink some wine on the binge because that's when they can. Yeah, that's like all right, it's chill. It's fine if that's how you binge. That's how you binge. 
Yeah. Other people go a different route. And those are kids, primarily. As a military veteran, I have to say, accurate. <laughs> the shenanigans? <laughs> yes. This is every everything I was like, oh my god, I'm back in the Navy. <laughs> so we got the backstory, the setup out of the way. We're now in modern day, which they very smartly do not put a number to this. Well done. But it is clearly like five years in the future. Yeah, it's not distant future. But no one can say like, oh, you predicted it. You got it real wrong, dummies. Yeah. And we open with Vince Vaughn as the principal of a high school. I think he was destined to be the principal of a high school and just kind of ended up being an actor. (laughs) I love it. And he is giving a, I don't think this is a, He's giving a talk about why you shouldn't binge. And, you know, he, he does he does the very smart thing where he's like, all right, those of you who are 18, you're adults. I can't tell you not to binge, but there are some really great reasons why you shouldn't. And here are those reasons. Pepper throughout this speech, though, are the students talking about what they're going to do that night. Someone said we were born way too late. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Everyone always is like, I was born in the wrong generation. Well, they dress like sluts from the 90s. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They really do. Just goof it off as you do in a school assembly. Yeah, yeah. Fuck! That was the word I was looking for. Assembly. God, it's been so long. It's been years. (laughs) Don't worry about it, years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so we meet our protagonists, and we don't get any of their names until, like, Really late in the movie. Griff and Hags. So Griff is played by, I hate this character because this character is me. In fact, kind of looked like me pre-transition. <laughs> the actor's name is Skylar Gizondo. Yeah. And he plays the wormy little dude who's like kind of uptight and also, I hate using this phrase, big giant pussy. And his main preoccupation in life is... Going to Brown and asking this one particular girl to prom and just like. Yeah, that's what high school was like. You're yeah. <laughs> worried about going to college and. Going to prom. Well, getting late. Yes. That's that's the thing. Like, that's the implication. However, that doesn't come up. He's just like, I just want to go to prom with her. Why, dude? Again, the implication is there. He does say that, like, he's already planned out their life together. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's weird, but like he's a high school student. Like they're all deeply fucked. Like their their heads are not on straight for a number of reasons. I mean, a good portion, especially like this is definitely an affluent school. Yes, like I grew up in this kind of high school. It's like most people there. I was the poor kid at the rich high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most people there haven't had to do much in the real world. I didn't do shit in the real world until I went to college. The real world does not exist when you're in high school. For most people. I did have a job basically from the time I was a freshman up through graduation. And then I got a real job. So in that sense, yes. But I didn't treat my jobs like they were jobs. Right. And then we come to a part of the assembly that is ghoulish for a number of reasons. Vince Vaughn, whose name is Principal Carlson. He's just called Carlson throughout the whole thing, Mm -hmm. has been showing examples of, yes, I know what you mean, 
yeah. has been showing examples of people in horrific accidents from what they do in the binge. And one of those people now works at the school as like a lunch lady. She was horribly disfigured in a jet ski accident. So much so that even now, years later, she still has bandages on her face. And he decides to say, like, she's here today. Can you guess who it is? And it's like, Jesus, man. And that was the nice part of it, because it gets worse. <laughs> Do you need me to recount this? Yeah, this, this is clearly a man who... Uh, we'll get into exactly what's wrong with him. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, Hags decides to try and be the class clown and quotes 1989's When Harry Met Sally... <laughs> To say, I'll have what she's having. And, okay, we're going to get into it. I'm not, all I'm going to say is that the principal rightly corrects his conception of a sense of humor by going, what, who's having? This burn victim? This horribly disfigured woman? Like, and that's almost a direct quote. Yes, it's quite gross. Also, this movie is easily 30 years at this point in whatever future. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's, it's not that far in the future like i said came out in 1989 which means that it is 30 years old oh 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 okay i see what you're saying yeah yeah yes yeah 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 i will say that kids today seem to be connecting with the classics i mean you saw even the the rich bitches were like i was born way too late yeah hags gets detention it doesn't matter but whatever but yeah so what we get this this whole thing was a setup one, to tell us that every other law is still in effect during the binge, so watch your step. But also that there is a party at the library that everyone's kind of going to. Sophia, I don't know if you ever went there when you lived in Des Moines, but there is a bar restaurant right next to Drake University called The Library. Oh yeah, I've been to the library. Yeah. It's a hole. Yes. Not bad. They have a thing, it's like, some newspaper said, we have the best nachos in the city. It's like, cool, who gives a fuck? The best nachos in Des Moines sounds like a place you would get food poisoning. (laughs) But I remember when I was at school, people were like, yeah, I'm going to the library. Wink, wink. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's cheeky. Yeah. (laughs) Was this a literal library that they, like, cleared out? Yeah, that's what I thought. I love this next sequence because we're just in the halls of the high school and we hear bits of conversation and they have some very weird ideas about drugs which makes sense yeah well welcome to high school everybody wants to claim that they're on drugs but nobody knows how drugs work that's high school when like drugs are reasonably possible to get i understand that like probably you can get them in this binge world but like if they're locked down until that 12 hour period it's a little bit harder there is no amount of money that would have convinced anybody to ever sell me drugs in high school because i looked like a narc (laughs) so like i looked like a cop straight up i was in rotc so yeah i don't know how available drugs were like i knew a couple of like the only guy i ever knew that like for sure did drugs was the guy who, like, he was one of the bad boys, and he would actually pull out his pipe and clean it out during class. Someone I hung out with a lot in high school, drug of choice was whippets. Really? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, no, I know I know what, I know what whippets are, but, like, really? 
because in high school it was weed and Adderall. He also smoked weed, but like you just like do whip it. It's like what? Why? Sounds awful. Because it's easier to get a hold of. Yes, I I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like asking why are you drinking natural light? Because I'm broke. Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> you get natty ice if you want, but that's an extra fifty cents. We also met a guy named Andrew. Andrew will be important. Yes. So Andrew is clearly set up as the third in this group, but is at this point rebuffed. He's a weird looking guy. He has extremely long hair and is kind of, he has the look of somebody who is of ill repute. So that that's kind of like his entire thing. And Griff and Hags are not, like, super into hanging out with him. Some other stuff happens. We see Hags' outfit that he's going to wear for the binge. It's a floral sport jacket, and it's sick as fuck. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Like, I guess they were they, they were having a conversation about how the jacket is lame. I'm like, fuck you, that jacket rules. Well, Hags' idea of a good outfit for Griffin is overalls. So, like, it's a little hit or miss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that was that was definitely a miss, but we'll find out that there's kind of a reason behind it. Yeah, it ends up being cute. Mm-hmm. Griffin is very into Carlson's daughter, Lena. Okay. That's a thing. Yes. So my first name is Sophia Helena. At work, I have a kind of nom de guerre. I chop off all but the last two syllables, so I go by Lena. So this was very confusing for me. I kept hearing Lena. I was like, oh, war name? Nom de guerre would be war name. Yes. Like, Stalin is not actually Stalin's legal last name. Oh, all right. It means man of steel in Russian. But yeah, like, I, I can't remember what his last name was. Vasashvili or something like that. Okay. But yeah, so like, it, it's basically, yeah, a name you adopt because you don't want people to know your actual name. So <laughs> I protect myself. While this, like, weird, lot of, like, very small scenes are happening, we learn that Hags reinvented the bar cycle. Well, invented the bar cycle, because, again, this is a place where alcohol is only legal one day a year. I say reinvented mostly because later when it's out, people make comments like, hey, how's your bachelorette party going, or some weird shit like that. (laughs) So, like, clearly people are vaguely aware of the existence of a bar cycle. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird, like, the timelines are not entirely congruent again because they didn't put any dates on it which was smart yes so yes he's he's reinvented the bar cycle (laughs) Uh, and i hate this thing so much everyone hates those everyone hates those anybody who's ever been on one hates those but hags points out this thing fucks and like this thing fucks once yes (laughs) Back at their lockers, because again, everything's moving just quickly because it doesn't super matter. Mm -hmm. They're talking about what's going to happen that night and Griffin's crush on Lena. And something happens that, like, Lena comes up at the end of a conversation sentence at a very unfortunate point. I don't fully remember. Oh, Griff was saying something about, like, being the mayor of Poundtown or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he says mayor of Virgin City or something. Oh, Virgin City? <laughs> That's the exact opposite. Yeah. And she's like, good to know, Mr. Mayor. 
and there's just a weird flirting. And I do kind of love when teenagers cannot spit game and they try and it bites them in the ass oh so hard. Although I gotta say, it kind of rules a little bit. Like, honestly, you love to see somebody with the confidence to give it a shot. Yes. Like, you know the thing you're about to say is ridiculous, but God damn it, it's gonna work. They're just like, all right, I like that. Which, these two have a really cute relationship, I think. Like, regardless of romantic stuff. Hags and Griff or, or Griff and Lena? Griff and Lena, they have a surprisingly good banter. Well, yeah, they've known each other since pre-K. Yeah. So, like, you root for this relationship because, like, it's it looks good. It's adorable. Also, Griffin was not going to binge because he's like, it could hurt my chances of getting into Brown. I'm already accepted, but they could rescind it. And then Lena says, oh, yeah, I'm going to the party. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going too." classic. Okay. I pointed this out in my reaction. Here, you need a snake. So I'm going to teach you how to do this, kids. So if a woman, like if you don't plan to go to where the girl you like is going to go and then, you know, want to change your mind to, you know, go there. Here's how you interact with that. Like, hey, are you going? I don't know. I thought about it. I haven't made up my mind. Are you going? Yeah. Awesome. Maybe I'll see you there. Boom. Done. You, there's no need to be weird about it. <laughs> Quit being weird. <laughs> You're saying that to this crazy, this neurotic bundle of nerves that's in high school. <laughs> I mean, that is a tautology. Everybody in high school is an erotic bundle of nerves. Yeah, some people are too stoned out of their mind to be nervous. I think way fewer people than claim to be stoned out of their mind. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so from here... Oh, we set up Hags' motivation. Do, the band. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Do we? Kind of. He's in, like, band class, and two girls are talking behind him. One of them's like, I want to get spit-roasted by a foreign guy. It's like, what? Fucking high schoolers like, let's go for a spit roast. Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Hags is clearly in it to get his dick wet. <laughs> Which, sure, high school dudes, that's 75% of what they think about. Because their hormones are going fucking bonkers. Unless you're in the late bloomer. That's called head reference. Pay attention. There's a <laughs> lot going on here. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Hags is... Perhaps overconfident. He thought he could get away with a When Harry Met Sally reference. He thought he could get away with a When Harry Met Sally reference. He tries to tell this girl that he's been going to high school with for four fucking years, that he is completely, fully foreign, and that that his native language is not English without any kind of clarification, which is probably for the best. Lies are more effective when they're vague. But there is a point, if you're, if you're going to tell a girl that you're a foreigner in order to find yourself on the giving end of a spit roast, <clears throat> you probably will have to elaborate. Just saying that's, that's probably going to be a thing you need to do. That wraps up. They're like, you're ridiculous hags. You're an idiot. And then we go to a locker room where Griffin is just like there. And principal Carlson comes, talks and really wants Griffin to be a narc. And I get it because this kid looks like a narc. Again, lessons from an experienced snake. What you say when you look like that is, sir, there is absolutely no way anybody would tell me where the big illegal party is. I look like this. Nobody's telling me shit. 
I look like the platonic ideal of a narc. But the culmination of this is that he gets his wristband confiscated, so he will not be able to get into the party. Hags bails him out because the principal finds it, and then Hags claims that he found the, the wristband and gave it to Griff to hold, which is stupid, but it takes the pressure off of Griff and puts it on Hags. Because now he's the one who's actively lying. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Carlson, my dude, don't be weird in a locker room full of boys. He's, he's very weird about everything. He walks in there and immediately gets into a an almost literal dick measuring contest with, like, some jocks. Like, the dude is very weird. Yeah. He teases Hags about his nickname and says, I'm going to call you Quan or <laughs> some shit, which racist but then hags is like who the fuck is Quan?" it's like rich homie <laughs> like rich homie Quan? come on man uh, yeah it, it's not important it's, yeah it's it's not important at all it never comes up again <laughs> but it's honestly i'd lean in i'd own it i'd be like hell yeah Quan. that's extremely racist but badass it's now the start of the binge so people are getting their preparations Andrew puts out a tray of, I think it's beer or alcohol. Yeah. Like it's Halloween. It's like, oh, that's cute. He puts a sign that says, Bingers, please only take one. I'm like, oh, buddy. Oh, buddy, you're about to learn. I mean, hey, he's just trying to help out people. If, if they take more, then they take more. But If I were on an absolute licking the rails bender and somebody said, here's a cooler full of intoxicant, Please take one. I'd be like, take one cooler. Got it. Yep. But Hags and Griffin are together with their parents for a, a game night. Yay. I love game night. I don't know why I'm poo-pooing it. Honestly, it is dull as dirt. I'm not going to lie. I would, as I mentioned, I would drug the entire city, the entire state, the entire country to get out of this game night. I'm sure you pick this up, but... I think they're trying to suggest that Griffin and his family are Jewish. I didn't pick this up. So for one thing, Griffin's dad is played by Jewish comedian Elon Gold. Mm. And the mom is a Jewish comedian as well, I think. But I think they make some reference to like his bar mitzvah. Did they? I almost feel like he's like, I did this community service for my bar mitzvah. You know that I'm an upstanding guy. And I was, or maybe that's just me reading farther into things. I'm, I missed it. It does not come up in the slightest, except for maybe one time. So, yeah. aside the point. Anyway, Hags drugs the parents and mentions mentions Big Bang Theory clue, and then when they're all fall asleep, has a very well-timed bazinga. Yeah, as soon as everybody's like, bazinga. <laughs> very good. Very good. Hags is, in 10 years, Hags will be very charming. He also says something. It's like, it's all about tonight. We got to do this all tonight. And it's like, that's such a high school mentality. Yeah. So here we, we figure out why Hags is so rock hard for binging. <laughs> and we see the duality of like experience here. So Griff got into Brown and his entire motivation is maintaining his access to both Brown and the girl he likes who is also going to Brown. Hags did not. Hags is, in his own words, going to be managing a Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, yeah. Hags 
has a thing. And I think, I think high school is, you know, at the end of high school where your government mandated education is over and now you have to start making decisions on your own that have consequences for your life. It's the first hint that like life is actually real and the shit you do matters. And it causes some people to freak out a lot. I was terrified I was going to end up homeless and (laughs) funny story about that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's this obsession with like doing something that, that lasts in the popular imagination, living forever kind of thing, becoming a legend, if you will. Fuck it. Let's do it anyway and be legends. And in Hag's imagination, the way to do this is to compete in and win the gauntlet, which is a competition within the binge that is held at the local level with unspecified rewards. It's never really clear what you get for winning the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just fame, but like local fame. So who gives a shit? Exactly. But what takes us to the next scene is that they need to find a wristband somehow. And they have a friend who can help them. And friend is kind of in quotes. Yeah, so this is Andrew, right? Yes. Yes. Holy shit, I remembered a name. You did it! I did it! Growth. That is, this entire podcast has been building to this moment of personal growth. All right, let's wrap it up. See ya. (laughs) Yeah, so they go to Andrew's house and they meet Andrew's mother. Yeah, and she's confrontational. Dangerously unhinged. Yes, and initially that's on Hags and Griffin, but then Andrew shows up and it transfers to him. This is a shouting match that's truly insane and culminates with her putting out a cigar on his tongue. Yep. And I said, this kid is going to be the next Eric Andre if he wants. (laughs) Yeah, if he wants it. (laughs) Yeah. And then they have a conversation about how he has a twin half-brother. How he has a twin half-brother. Let the biology sink in on that. Yeah. Moving on. (laughs) We can't get into the specifics because that's horrific. Yeah. But he does come back and say, it's actually pretty common. I'm like, it can't be that common. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, that's that's not a thing. That's That could possibly be a thing in, like, rodents, but not in people. Yes. Our next challenge that must be overcome is that the wristbands that Andrew 3D printed are purple and not orange. So they are clearly fake. Yes. But they're going to try and trick Andrew's half-twin brother, Seb, also known as the Ice Russian. Uh, He looks like a... he looks kind of Russian. Yeah, and I guess attack someone with an ice pick? Is that why the ice... I think so? Yeah. Weird. Anyway, between Andrew's mom and Andrew's brother, people think that Griffin and Hags are cops, which is insane. Because they clearly look like narcs. I understand that. But cops? They're children. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in their, I don't know if defense is the right word, but playing devil's advocate for a moment, they're both like both Andrew's mom and Andrew's brother are psychotic. (laughs) Yeah. There's a very tense confrontation that Seb eventually says like, do you think I'm stupid? And kind of like, Gives up the thing. 
But Andrew gets them out of there with the use of his mini crossbow that he has for some reason. Which fires darts directly into Seb's dick. Oh god, I forgot. Also, into like a bunch of other people. Like Hags' neck. Hags' neck. <laughs> so there is a there is a consequence to this. So when they entered, Seb was getting his chest waxed. Yeah. And this wax strip ends up on Griffin's face. Yes. And he ends up losing an eyebrow. <laughs> Just fully lost the eyebrow. The ultimate irony of this scene, though, is that once they've made their escape and they have a moment to collect themselves, there is a guy selling wristbands for $50 right yeah! there. Let's fucking go! Yes! This this was the point where I was like, okay, this movie's all right. Yeah. Because <laughs> they were like, first off, I relate to this. I don't want to talk about it, but I relate to this. <laughs> <laughs> but second off, like, so there are two kinds of comedy that include this kind of situation. One where everybody just kind of like looks, I'm like, huh. And another one where they're like, what the fuck? And this is the latter, which is more realistic. Like, if you just escaped a cloud of violent psychos just to find like the reason you were there on sale for 50 bucks, you're like, God damn it. <laughs> Fine. Similarly analogous is the part in Popstar where they cut the cameras. Yes, yes. <laughs> Great. Fucking fantastic. We do a quick cut to the Carlson home. Vince Vaughn apparently likes making Mediterranean dips because he likes hummus, He sorry, hummus and tahini. Yeah, okay, but also he implies that tahini is an ingredient in hummus, which, no. No. Jeez. Very All simple. Right. It's chickpeas. It's it's olive oil and like whatever you want for flavor. That's it. Mm-hmm. Not complicated. That's tahini. No, that's that's hummus. Tahini oh, okay. is roasted sesame seeds that are emulsified with olive oil. Oh, okay. This scene doesn't really matter except to show that like Lena portrays herself a particular way to her dad. Yeah, goody, good girl. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, there is a stereotype about good girls. <laughs> entirely untrue but continuing very quickly on (laughs) yes we go back to our trio they're at some restaurant to get some pre-game drinks and their first legal drinks that they do are whiskey shots don't do that bad start and if you chase that with ketchup there is a 100% chance I hate you yeah I mean one of them like starts licking a napkin just to get the taste off and it's like yeah I understand I also don't like whiskey that much. I have had wild turkey on the rocks, and like, it is definitely something that you have to acquire. Yes. There's a little montage of them drinking at this place. Hags is in the bathroom, gets a weird ad for the gauntlet in the bathroom, and then gets a call. Don't answer the call in the bathroom. Don't answer a video call in the bathroom. Why would you answer a video call in the bathroom? Confidence, apparently. (laughs) There's a mirror behind him showing his bare ass. I know, it's very stupid. But these girls, including Sarah, who Hags desperately wants to get with, their limo hasn't arrived, so they ask the trio for transportation. Now, they don't know that the trio only has a bar cycle. They just know that they have transportation. Yep. Okay. So they go, and because it's a bar cycle, are basically entirely sober by the time they get there. And of course, they meet at one of their houses, which is in an extremely white-ass suburb. 
on top of a hill. So they have worked off all that buzz by the time they get to this house. And rightfully, the girls who are expecting, if not a limo, then at the very least, like a motor vehicle, <laughs> a motor vehicle, see this bar cycle and are like, um, no, we'll wait for the limo. But they lose control of the bar cycle, goes flying. Then the limo shows up and the girls say, all the seats are accounted for. So sorry. They fly off. Then they back up and are like, we were just kidding. You can ride with us if you punch each other in the face. There's a very quick thing in between this, though, where Griffin texts Lena. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Griffin gets autocorrected. His friends advise him to say, I'm getting you a present because I'm a Virgo. Because of, like, astrology. There was some weird thing that Andrew says relating to, like, astronomy. And it's like, what? Andrew, what? Stop appropriating lesbian culture. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... I'm getting you a present because I'm a Virgo gets auto-corrected to I'm going to get you pregnant because I'm a virgin. This autocorrect fucking hates you, dude. That's true. <laughs> and so he he's like, oh no, I didn't mean pregnant. I meant present. And then it corrected it back to pregnant. So he doubled down. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Then the girls come back and say, if you punch each other in the face, we'll let you ride with us. Here, Andrew actually makes an observation that I can confirm. Getting punched in the face doesn't hurt as bad as you think it does. Hmm. I'm not going to tell you what I said to get punched in the face, but I will say, in retrospect, I had it coming. (laughs) Also, Andrew just says, like, weird shit. Not weird as in, like, creepy, the way, like, sometimes that phrase is used. But he says things like, Andrew, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, It's fun. A man after my own heart. (laughs) Yes. But they have to sit with the driver because the girls are like, there's no room back here. And he says he tries to live in a South Florida state of mind. And I said, that sounds fucking atrocious. His name is Pompano Mike. He's never been to Pompano, but he likes to live in a South Florida state of mind, which having lived in South Florida, hard pass. Miami's in South Florida. So I guess that's... I used to live in Miami. Yeah. Hard pass. Just have a large sport coat that you roll the sleeves up on just sipping colada at four in the afternoon don't say that's a don johnson in miami vice reference yeah no i got that yeah okay what's next we go back to the carlsons for a bit it's the old fake body in the bed trick oh yeah and lena darling lena decided to add in a snoring gif i guess or like a loop sound effect of a girl snoring to kind of like give the impression so mr carlson comes up and is all wistful about shit dad shit and and finds out that this is what's going on there's you know a crash test dummy in the bed for some fucking reason and he notices he picks up her ipad which apparently she gets texts on what yeah no if you have an iphone it can sync with an ipad i hate that i hate that so much it's very bad because of this but also just generally i hate apple but that's yeah me too So he pulls up her text history because obviously an audio file was playing, so it wasn't locked. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But he sees the whole thing like, I'm going to get you pregnant because I'm a virgin. And sees it's from Griffin and is rip shit. Also, it's very apparent that the binge holds a very special, and when I say special, I mean bad, place in his heart. Yeah. It's not made entirely clear, but we will come back to it. We'll come back to it, yeah. But it involves Lena's mom. Yeah, 
yeah. So from here, we go back to Pompano Mike and the boys sucking it down the pipe. Sucking it down pipe. Sucking it down pipe. Awful. I hate it. It's so bad. And it's not enough that, that it's just weed that they're sucking down pipe. He makes it with some PCP. So you get a little downer and a big upper. And, oh boy, the thing about PCP is it makes you violently insane. <laughs> and they hallucinate just this horrifying cartoon head on Pompano Mike. And- yeah. They also have two actors playing Pompano Mike in this, which, like, hey, well done for, like, conveying what you want to convey. Did they? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting choice. Intercut with this, though, is Carlson going on what I refer to as a Javert-like pursuit of his daughter, but is quite frankly more similar to Liam Neeson in Taken. Yeah, I think Javert might be a little highbrow for this. Yes. So he goes looking for his daughter, and here's that... Okay, so so he shakes down a bunch of... Not yet. Oh, not yet? Okay. So he goes to a place where there's a party that apparently the girls are at and thinks that that might mean his daughter so he goes there and the girls are middle-aged lady bingers who are looking for a nude model to paint it very well might have been that the girls were there but have since left i guess who's to say it doesn't matter that much yeah so so carlson he doesn't immediately understand despite the easels everywhere that that's what's going on and is trying to ask these already extremely inebriated women, like, hey, is my daughter here? And they're not getting it because they are entirely fucked up. What I don't get is they're like, who hired this guy? And if I'm in that situation, I hear that. I'm like, oh, they're expecting someone else. I can clear this up easily. Never happens. It never happens whenever that comes up in a movie. I got to be honest with you. If I walk into a room full of drunken middle-aged women with a bunch of easels out and I'm expected and celebrated for arriving, I'm assuming they want to see my hog. Sure. (laughs) That's just the reality of the world we live in. So yeah, he agrees and they'll help him afterwards. Also during this thing, once he agrees, a woman comes up from behind the couch just out of nowhere and it freaked me the fuck out. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Where did she come from? So the entire time I was live tweeting this, I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Just chill out. And this is going to be an excellent night. You can look for your daughter after this. It's okay. So (laughs) eventually he's like, okay. After they start shouting, we just want to see your balls. He's like, oh, I get it. You want a nude model. And then apparently just does it. And we're mercifully not shown this. You don't want to see Vince Vaughn's dick and balls? No, I do not. I'm good. Maybe 10 years ago, we would have had this conversation. No. Nope. But anyway, they get him with a bag full of drugs, which he, you know, at first sheepishly, but then with a little more pizzazz, starts taking just a whole bunch of barbiturates. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. And also, at the same time, we get a god-awful cover of Because I Got High. <laughs> yeah, I was like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. That song is not for white people to perform. The inclusion of the song was clever-ish. Yes. But the cover of it was not good. No. Musically, it was fine, but like, having heard the lyrics, I'm like, oh no, please don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) We cut back to the limo. 
the girls want Pompano Mike to join them for some fucking reason. Pompano Mike is my age, if he's a day old, and is being pulled into the back with a bunch of high school girls who are, again, dressed like sluts from the 90s. Yikes. The point is that Andrew has to drive, and Andrew... Falls asleep. Yep. Got a little too... (laughs) A little too lost in the sauce and is no longer conscious. So they're having a whole time. They end up being able to not get in a road accident, but they do hit a cow. And then they try to save the cow by just dosing the shit out of it, which accidentally works. Yeah, it works when they give it the Narcon. Yeah, yeah. They're, so they're just dosing the shit out of this cow. And they give him a shot of Narcan, which, by the way, is not how you take Narcan. But yeah, once they once they hit him with that, the cow's just like up and apparently still has some residual speed in him in her. So like just like kicking around as as she runs off, sprays a bunch of milk, which was gross. Kicks Hags in the fucking face, which oh yeah, I have a story about that. We'll get to anyway. Runs off and then gets immediately hit by a eighteen wheeler, sixteen wheeler, whatever. Just pink mist in memories, and they, the girls blame Hags, and it's like. I, I kind of get it, but also, no, it's not his fault. <laughs> yeah, but they don't actually like hags. That is true. Yeah, yeah. So they start walking to the party. And I think at this point is where we get, we cut back to Carlson. Yeah. So Carlson, now under the influence of quite a few barbiturates, like a lot of barbiturates, like, why would you take that many? He shakes down a couple of jocks who are just like hanging out outside of like a, a bar or something. And just, like, absolutely whips the shit out of one of them. Just beats the brakes off this motherfucker. For no real reason. Well, I mean, there kind of was. If you take this as a Liam Neeson and Taken situation. Yes. Yeah, like, immediate compliance will be met with severe punishment kind of thing. Or a lack of immediate compliance will be met with severe punishment. So the guy was, like, you know, fucking with him a little bit. So he just starts beating the absolute shit out of him. And gets the information that he wants. And was like, you see? Why couldn't we have just jumped straight to that instead of with all the kicking and the punching? Like, get up. You're all right. You're all right. Also, there's like a weird role play about like, would you ever leave your family? And we learn more about like what probably happened with his wife. Yeah, it might have involved porn. Yeah. I love that the kid goes, I would never leave you. He goes, what makes you think I'm talking about me? (laughs) Oh, boy. He's just like, I'm sorry. I thought we were role playing. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah. So he leaves hinting that he is this legendary figure called El Pantera. So he says the panther. We see a poster that says El Pantera with a panther on it. Oh, yeah. And I think we've heard the name in that gauntlet ad from earlier. Yeah, we did. So it was it was hinted at, like, this is the most legendary binger who's ever binged kind of thing. In the local area, anyway. Yes. Jeez. Yeah, wow, this is taking so long. Why is this taking so long? Because there's a lot of minutiae bullshit. Yeah. The trio's walking on the side of the road, and then out of nowhere, they get struck with a small crossbow bolt. Seb and the gang are back. They kidnap them and take them to a taco shop, where they serve tacos sprinkled with psilocybin mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, and they apparently break a record for eating the most. It's like, what, 29? 29 psilocybin mushrooms. Even if that's a light dusting, that is a shitload of psilocybin. Yeah. Well, it's 20. I thought it was like 29 burritos. Yeah. Well, not not important. I'm getting in the weeds for no reason. Yeah. So, so the reason that this was done was an act of revenge because now they need to go to the bathroom. 
very, very badly. So they're duct taped together in what is called a Siamese Tootsie Roll, which I did not immediately understand and thought this was going to be a reverse, like, human centipede thing. Uh, what would reverse be? I, no, I don't want to know. No, you don't. It's terrible. No. <laughs> so, but yeah, they get out of it. A video of them in this went on, like, Instagram or something. The idea is you shit yourself and the person you're duct taped to. Oh, yeah. I need to move past it, though. Yeah. Also, Lena's at the party already. It's like, where's Griffin at? I, I want to see Griffin him. Griffin is freaking out. I want to point this out. Oh, we totally fucking forgot something. What did we forget? When Griffin and Lena were talking in the high school, she opens her locker. There's a big explosion. It's the start of a promposal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the thing says, you can meet me at the library party. So she's also looking for who did the promposal. Yeah. So she's looking for who did the promposal. She's also like kind of expecting secret there a little bit, I think. And Griff is freaking out. And I, I, this is the only minutiae I'm going to point out about the scene. It's a very archetypical, like climactic breaking of like the bonds of friendship kind of thing. Hag's like, you just text her. He's like, what am I going to say? That I got kidnapped by psychos and, and, and killed a cow and like had to eat a whole bunch of like, I got extremely high and, and like had to eat a whole bunch of burritos. Like, yes, tell her that. That's rad. That's rad as fuck. <laughs> yeah. But Hags is mainly worried that he'll be left alone when Griffin goes to college. And he's also thinks that Griffin is ungrateful for what he's done for them that night. The mushrooms kick in, and there's a lovely musical number. Yes. My goodness. One, this was planted earlier when they were talking about, like, the different things drugs could do at the high school. Some of them were wrong. Some of them were right. This musical number has far better music, lyrics, and choreography than this movie deserves. Yeah. And I'm for sure linking a video of it in the show notes, and I think I'll put a clip of it at the end of this episode yeah the fucking fantastic you should absolutely do that so i would say the musical number lasts a little bit too long and this is a thing that happens sometimes you know people are like hey that chorus was really fun let's do it again and again and again and again and again and you do it more than three times you're annoying sorry i will say the way they end it though is you can see like it drew inspiration from actual musical theater the way Mm -hmm. that it kind of repeats to the point where we actually check to see if any of these people had a musical theater background and it doesn't appear they do. Yeah. But at the end of this, Griffin wakes up at the library party, incredibly disoriented. Day is sex machina. Yeah. Yeah. So he just like comes to in the middle of this party and it's a fine party. It's I've been to better parties, but not by much. Something I noticed really interesting was the sound mixing. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of fa- like, Sometimes you'll see this in war movies if an explosion happens, like without the ringing part. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like kind of hard to hear. It's a low pass filter. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, they did that here. And it's like, oh, yeah, that. I guess if you just woke up from like this crazy high part of your trip, then mm-hmm. yeah, that'd probably match. Yeah, I, I would I would think so. I don't I don't know. I've never I've never been on that many drugs all at once. No. <laughs> but yeah, so. They're wandering around this party. Griff realizes where he is and is like, at first, like, he's like, okay, finally, no, wait, I need to find hags. And he realizes he's wearing the 
overalls for some fucking reason. So obviously Hags kind of got him there and got him dressed because they had shit themselves. So like that was the extra pair of pants that they had on him. So, so yeah. <laughs> he pulls out a note that like completes the proposal and he realizes that Hags set it all up on his behalf. Yes. He had been freaking out so much throughout this movie of who asked Lena to prom? Right. So everybody thought it was this one, you know, really. All right. These are all high school kids, but like, let's be real. High school kids are children, but they're also children past the point of like, they experience sexual attraction. So like, let's call a spade a spade. The kid was like alarmingly hot. Like it was, it was clear that like Griff was not able to compete with this guy. Fortunately, it turns out he's gay or at least bi. Oh yeah. He's like, he finds him like at this party and he's like, oh, hey, did you ask Lena to the prom? He's like, no, I'm going with Brad or whatever. Yeah. Dude's got an iron grip. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, honestly, do you expect any different? So that, that takes the too hot to compete with hot competition out. Mm-hmm. So the hunt is back on for Lena. Rather, I think at this point he's like, I need to find hacks. Yeah. So he climbs up onto the DJ booth and tries to hijack the sound system. Sure. I think this DJ is in the Orville. I think he might be, yeah. I was just like, oh yeah, it's that guy. Yeah, I love the Orville. I know. Yeah, so that's a thing that definitely happened. (laughs) So Hags finds him and also Lena finds him. I mean, we're wrapping up. Yeah, and Andrew is also there kind of abruptly. Yeah, abruptly Andrew is there because he got his feelings hurt because he found out why they like why they started hanging out with him again, and it was specifically for the bands to use him. Yeah, they used him, but they you know they all kind of like make up, and then Carlson shows up, <laughs> and the gauntlet is about to begin, and Hags is like, "Oh no, we're not competing," and so the guy's like, "Well, get the fuck off the dance floor." He's like, "All right, cool," and then Griff's like, "No, we absolutely are competing." He's like, "All right, well, where's your fourth?" He's like, "What?" You need a valleyman. That's there's four people in a gauntlet team. So Carlson's like, I'm your Huckleberry. He like takes a swig of beers, like, yeah, put down El fucking Pantero for your for your number four. And everybody's like, oh shit, El Pantero's back. It's such a bizarre scene because a few things happen. Carlson's like, one, trying to get his daughter out of there. In the worst possible way. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work, so then he's like, I'm here for you always, but not tonight. I gotta help these boys. <laughs> It's like, wait, what? And then he's like, this team needs trust. And the way to earn that trust is I need you to punch me in the balls. And then when he does it, and by the way, Lena's just like, just do it. So he's like, yeah, okay. Bah! <laughs> he fucking Johnny Cage is that bitch. Johnny Cage is that bitch. And then that bitch comes up and is like Eskimo kissing him. I'm just like, Ugh. bizarre. It's such a bizarre scene. All right. So this Competition is going to be a bit like fight sequences. We're not going to choreograph it, except to say that the first one was funny. The second one was weird. The last two are legitimately deadly. <laughs> Let's see. The first one is chugging through, what's that called? A uh, bong. A beer bong. Beer bong, thank you. And then doing Pledge of Allegiance to the tune of Star Spangled Banner. First off, you're not chugging beer through this thing. You're drinking liquor mixed with, like, a lot of oh, a bunch of gross shit. Foul. The <laughs> next then, one was they took Molly and tickle each other and arm wrestle. 
Sure. Honestly, that kind of made me want to take some Molly. Yeah. Third one, this is just for the Valley Men. They have to put a donut on the top of a gator's head and have it stay there for five seconds. Again, legitimately deadly. Yeah. And then the fourth one, they had to... If you've ever seen the last five, ten minutes of Scarface, Mountain of Cocaine, you have to bury your face in it. And anytime you come up, you have to give your best Al Pacino and Scarface impression and then go back. This is a great way to kill yourself. Do not do this. It's kind of like a pie-eating contest of that. Yeah. Now, this is Hags, and Hags can't do a fucking Pacino to save his life. <laughs> At one point, he did... He does a De Niro. He does a Denzel. Yeah. Oh, the De Niro's not even from, like, Taxi Driver. It's from Meet the Fockers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he misses on that, and they're like, have you even seen Scarface? He's like, yes, I've seen Scarface. He goes back, he comes up and does Denzel in Training Day. And he's like, dude, that's great, Denzel, but we're not doing Denzel right now. Also, his competition, incredible Scarfaces. <laughs> oh, amazing Scarfaces. And, and then he, he comes up at the last one and is finally is just like, all right, I got this. He pulls out an amazing Scarface and wins the competition for them. Because of course they win. They're the main characters. Well, but also his competition is actively ODing on the floor. And his response to that was, I'll have what she's having. And they cheer. They cheer. And it's like, no, you assholes. Somebody get her some Narcan. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. But all's well that ends well, basically. Yeah, honestly. Nothing. Oh, they go to prom and they're dressed like idiots. Somehow Andrew managed to, like, go to prom with, like, the really tall, exiguous one rich bitch girl. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. And they go on the bar cycle. Over credits, there's them fucking up traffic while <laughs> the song that played earlier, the chorus, is just going. And that's roll credits. That's roll credits. Woo! Okay. This movie was fun. Kyle, you want to go first with the analysis? Sure. I want to start with a question. Do you think this movie made a good use of its premise? No. The premise... So, as I said before, this movie was basically a stitched together high school version of four different movies, all of which have a legitimate social criticism. They stitched those four together and came up with drunken hijinks. Right. Do you remember the movie Project X? Yes. That, I feel like, accomplished what this movie wanted to do and didn't need a weird premise. Yeah, essentially. So... One thing I kind of wish they explored is like, hey, what about prescription drugs? I'm kind of glad they didn't. No. They make a mention up top that all narcotics are illegal. So I'm like, oh, I guess fuck. Fuck opioids that help people with cancer? Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I don't think it made good on its premise. It's still a fun movie, but. If you, if you continue to scratch at it, it's horrific in principle. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen the college humor thing where it says CH does the purge. And the first video in this like four video series was like them asking a bunch of questions. And the the ladies just finally just like, just, just kill each other, please. Yeah. Other than that, it's like very high school. Well, live while you're young type of thing. Enjoy life where you can, which I say that's a decent takeaway is yeah. Enjoy life where you can. Yeah. So kind of pivoting off of the idea of, of, you know, talking about this being the most high school-ass movie, I kind of mentioned in my, you know, commentary on this movie 
that these high school kids have the wrong idea about what's cool. And this is a thing. So to me, what I've come to realize through watching this movie and like some other high school media and my reflections on my own time in high school and like, you know, some of my friends who have talked about their experiences is that high school, the social aspect of high school is so caught up in the idea of gaining and maintaining a level of cool that they miss being cool. Like there is a very structured idea of what is cool and it's basically not giving a shit about anything. Whereas what am I supposed to tell her that we got super high and killed a cow and then got taped together until we shit ourselves? Yes. That's amazing. You lived life. Yeah. You were living like you got kidnapped by psychopaths and forced to imbibe just all of the mushrooms. That's fucking outrageous. Tell her that like, that's cool. Oh, okay. It's interesting. That is a way, that is a mode of being cool. Like that is, that is fun and interesting within the context of those drugs being temporarily legalized. So I'm not advocating drug use here, by the way, kids. What I'm saying is that it's fun and funny to have a wild, weird story as to why you weren't where you were meant to be. Like if you're, if you're late for something because you got kidnapped by Russians, it's improbable, but it's very fun. (laughs) And high schools are just too far up their own asses to know that. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about is concept of prohibition. Never in the history of humanity has a prohibition done anything but increase demand. If you wanted to get rid of, for example, alcohol, the way you absolutely don't do that, as history has proven, is make alcohol illegal. Because then you've made alcohol way cooler. (laughs) Sorry, you just did. Wasn't there a thing during that time, though, that, like, staunch... I don't know if it's prohibitionist or a different term. Would, like, put poison in alcohol that was being made, or, like, paint shit that people were using. Yeah, they did that, but there were so many ways around that. For example, like, they sold these blocks of, like, dried grapes... Yes. Absolutely do not add bread yeast to this and leave it under the fucking counter for a month or you will have wine and that's illegal. And so people did that. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, distillation is a little harder than brewing beer, than fermentation is, and it's easier to fuck it up and poison people. But you could have a still in your speakeasy and not poison people. But I see you've made a note in the side here about... Solving the actual fucking problem. Yes, I did. So the problem posed here, like I said, it was basically the purge, but instead of violence, we do drugs and alcohol. So the problem posed in both films is a society that has gone out of control, a society that lacks something fundamental to the functioning of society. And instead of seeking out that which society lacks, which really was a matter of equality of outcome is what, you know, that's the term that shithead conservatives use for, you know, equity. Instead of social equity, which was the problem, they decided, you know what, we're just going to make all crime legal for 12 hours a year. So in the later Purge movies, it's revealed that it's mostly like it's almost entirely and by design, rich people purging poor people. And there's actually a resistance movement that builds against that, led by the black homeless guy from the first movie who survives the purge 
and he goes on to form a resistance. But so in this movie, society is kind of falling apart because there are all these problems and people are self-medicating. And instead of solving those fucking problems, which would cost, you know, money, they made the thing that people turn to for, you know, a moment of levity illegal. Now, I'm not a big fan of guillotine fetishism, but that's a great way to get your head fucking cut off. I don't know how much this is related, but you saying shithead conservatives and then talking about crime being legal reminded me of something funny. Yeah. Which was, I think this would have been two years ago. There was a debate for some office in New York. I think it was mayor of New York City. And there was a Twitter account like Associated Press or something like high level, kind of an official thing that was like, here are people's responses as to what they would make illegal in New York or something. And some of them were joke answers. Andrew Cuomo, that's what I'd make illegal. Sure. But there were some joke answers like bodegas without a cat or something. Like, yeah. haha. There's a few other things. But Ben Shapiro quote retweeted it and goes, notice no one said crime. It's like, yeah, no one said they'd make crime illegal. Ben, darling, love of my life. Absolutely not. <laughs> Fuck off. As people are fond of saying, he is what a dumb person thinks a smart person sounds like. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and the last thing I want to talk about is virginity. So constantly invoked is the idea that, so these rich bitch girls constantly call hags specifically, but hags and griff virgins as an insult. Virginity is something we made up to be mean to girls. It's the idea, like, Kyle, I feel like you know enough Talmud to know that this is, like, a lot of the rules around sexual conduct are basically there to be mean to women. Yeah, that sounds right. There's an entire tractate called Sota, which is very gross. <laughs> but, yeah, so the idea of virginity is basically there to shame women about their sexual activity whereas men are always lauded for their sexual activity and shamed for their lack thereof. So whereas being a virgin in most contexts would be a bad thing for men and a good thing for girls. These girls are using it as an insult for these guys because, well, you're presumably you're fully functional, so why haven't you had sex? Well, okay, here's the thing. In high school, almost no one actually has sex. They say they do, but they're lying. And if you've ever had sex and asked them about that experience, it becomes obvious that they're lying. <laughs> it's like Steve Corral says in 40-Year-Old Virgin. It's like a bag of sand. Bag of sand. <laughs> God. So, yeah. Fuck, fuck high school. Fuck high school. Fuck high school is the overall premise I have here. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into our ratings then. Yeah. Yeah, let's do or it. Sorry, I did have one thing to say that's not a discussion. Vince Vaughn's pretty good in this movie. Yes. And also, I think it's a pretty good depiction of teenagers. Absolutely intolerable. No yeah. idea what's cool, but they're trying real hard. They're tryhards. Yeah. I was like, oh, this actually feels like what I remember high school being. Guys, it took me a long time to realize this. So I'm going to share this wisdom with you. Being cool means not trying that hard. Just be you. And it's cool. That's not the way high school works, though. You have to try really hard to be cool in high school, which means you're not cool. They tried so hard and went so far. In the end, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. 
Is Lincoln Park actually based? <laughs> Lincoln Park has been based for a little while, I think. Yes. People just clowned on it because some of the... They certainly knew someone who liked Lincoln Park and was cringy about it, but also cringe is dead. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yep. Okay, so we get we ready for ratings? Yes, I think so. Let's do ratings. So on a scale of enjoyability, where are you putting this? Well, it started off as a solid two and ended up as a solid seven. Okay. I'll level that out to a five and a half. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I really enjoyed the chaotic energy. That is fun, yes. Okay, so obscurity. Where are you putting this? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. I I kinda wanna say like seven and a half. It's not so terribly obscure because there is still Vince Vaughn, but it's a Hulu movie, which like is even more obscure than Netflix movies. Yeah, I think seven and a half. I'll, I'll see that. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. As we wrap up our episode, we end, of course, with our pop culture pop out, a piece of pop culture we have been interested in as of late and just want to talk about for a little bit. Sophia, why don't you start us off? talk a little bit about Noah Kirel. Noah Kirel is an Israeli musician. Like most female Israeli musicians, she got her start around age 14. So she's been at this for about five years now. Yeah, she's technically still doing her IDF service, but <laughs> for some reason, like, is still allowed to, like, okay, if you were in the U.S. military, you would not be able to get away with this. Full stop. But she's still putting out music and I think she was just nominated to go to Eurovision. Okay. <laughs> One of my favorite songs by her is Imata Gever, which means if you're a man, or if you were a man, if you're a man, but like, right. it's fun, and the Hebrew is not particularly difficult. I'll put a link in there, but she's good. And I think she recently put out another single that I have not yet heard. So, good fun. Kyle! This past week, I have been watching... Pushing Daisies. Okay. Are you familiar with this? As I recall, Pushing Daisies was approximately, it was contemporary with Dead Like Me. Is that right? I believe that's correct. Mid-2000s? Hmm. I didn't see it. I was a Dead Like Me girl. So Pushing Daisies, the premise is that our main character, Ned, who's played by Lee Pace, can bring people back from the dead with a touch but if he touches them again, they are dead forever. Also, this never gets brought up in the like synopses that I see, I've seen of it. But if they are brought back from the dead longer than a minute, someone or something else dies in their place. Mm, okay. Yes. And he ends up teaming up with a private investigator to solve murders, which is kind of neat. However, the first episode, he brings back a childhood crush. Hmm. And so there's this whole tension how they can't physically reconnect in any manner. This can only end in tears. Almost certainly. It only lasted two seasons. People were like, it was Rob from the same guy who made NBC's Hannibal. Mm. And I've seen a lot of people do queer readings of this. So I thought that's something you would appreciate. I absolutely would. I haven't seen it, but it feels like there's a, there's a lot of... Just based on what you've told me, there's there's yeah. a lot of queer reading that could go into that. Yes. <laughs> one popular one is reading Ned as asexual hmm. because he ref has to refrain from touch. So it's like, oh, that there's subtext that could be read there. There's an entire 
subgenre of lesbians called touch me knots. But ah, we, interesting. We don't, we don't talk about the touch me knots. Okay. Yeah, that's been a neat show. I'm only partway through it, like five or so episodes, but it's really good. There you go. Sophia, where can people find you online? I have a link tree. Big hits are I'm on Twitter at Hamilcarinina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I am on Quora at Sophia Helena Mistreaked. I recently got into a fight with a bunch of, like, I'm, I'm so sick of fighting with fundamentalist Christians about the Old Testament, the Tanakh. But yeah, I do that a lot on Quora. It's actually really pissing me off. I'm pretty much done with that. But I do that because I've been trying to move my Quora audience over to my Medium page where I do Queering House, also under Sophia Helena Mastertreat. That's my queer media analysis project. I recently watched the movie Purple Hearts based on a movie bot tweet that like struck me as a giant fucking lie. <laughs> So, okay. All right. I don't want to take up too much time, but this movie bot said that this movie Purple Hearts was the number one movie on Netflix. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Because the premise was something so incredibly mundane to basically, like I talked about it with a bunch of my friends who are veterans. My coworkers are all veterans. And everybody's like, yeah, I know like 15 people who did that. It's a nothing. It's a movie about a boot who marries a townie to get benefits. Sure. That's fucking nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah, I saw a news story that like it was causing some controversy and saying it's like military propaganda. I was like, I oh yeah, I mean, well, okay, so it is because the the female lead is very liberal, very well, very very left, and is anti-military, but also diabetic and broke, so needs them benefits and ends up being okay with the military and writing a patriotic masturbation song. Literally, I'm not making this up. This is so deeply cringe. Like, you say cringe is dead. Hold the phone, because we're about to zombie that shit. Yep. The song that this, like, hard leftist Latina writes that is her big break into the music world is called American Heroes, parentheses, Come Back Home. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle looks like, yeah, yeah, there it is. I'll just vomit it into a fucking trash can. Yes. It was so incredibly deeply cringe. Also, she has a side hustle as a musician, and I think it's mostly paratext for this movie. It's bad. It's bad. It's all bad. But on the subject of your socials. Yes. On the subject of my socials, I put that up on my Medium. That's also on Quora, the Quora Space Queering House. Don't find me on Facebook. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at KyleTheGiggles. I am on Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Twitch under HebroHammer. We also have a Twitter for our podcast, at Off the Film Path, where Sophia recently did a wonderful play-by-play of this movie that we just recapped. Spoiler-free. Yes, very important. If you'd like, there's a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message to appear in an upcoming episode, whether to leave your own pop culture pop-out or talk about the movies we're discussing. But in order to do one for next time. Sophia, what are we watching? We're watching The Late Bloomer. Told you we'd come back to it. This is going to be... It's going to be interesting, let's say. If you like the show, remember to subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify, and tell your friends about this delightful mess. Yeah. Take an ad out on Facebook and get your intolerant boomer grandfather to listen to our podcast. I say fuck a lot. Cool. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.
Gonna get high, gonna get baked Till every inch of us just aches Gonna do lines, gonna pop tabs In just everything we grab Have some shrooms, and smoke some crack Chase the dragon and shoot some smack We won't stop till all our brains are fucking fried Cause the only thing that matters when we binge Is we're gonna get high 